able to do its job, and when it can't do its job, it transfers its load, it transfers its load to the annulus fibrosis, uh, which isn't designed to carry that load. And when you have that trouble, it leads to a thing called fissures, which also leads to some other things. So I didn't know about any of that. I found all that out via Google search when I was trying to figure some things out. Uh, I told you guys, uh, I think I may have told you guys about this, but I'll tell you again if you didn't get to laugh at my expense previously. Uh, this was a few months ago, and, and we were taking Nate, I think it was Nate, to the doctor. And we, we, we get in there, and um, and it turns out, you know, there's some issues. So we're getting ready to go. And, uh, and I go to pick up the car seat, and right when I pick up the car seat, I get it like this high off the ground, and my back just goes out completely. And so right there in the lobby, I fall down, and Jess can't stop laughing at me <laughs> as I'm falling down. And, and I'm trying to communicate, no, this is really bad. This is not, this is not you know, just funny because I fell. So I fall down, and then um, for a good, I bet it was a half hour, we're just in there. And I can't walk, and I can't really sit, and I can't really stand. And there's one position feels good, and, and it was this. It was this. And so I just did this for like an hour. And I couldn't walk, and uh, and I, we're telling the lady at the front, I'm, I'm sorry, we're going to go. So she's like, you guys take as long as you need. <laughs> That's really our only option right now. And so uh, after a good half hour, I, um, I, I do this. I just I can take steps like this. And so I, I do that all the way to the car and just still laugh, still laugh, and a half hour later. I finally make it out to the car. I go to the doctor, and he tells me that, you know, I maybe have some herniated disc, which comes, you know, as a result of all those other things. And, um, and, and so that, that's kind of how that story turns out. These two little friends in our lower back can cause lots of problems when they don't do their job properly. And if you had told me that those two little things existed in my body before that day, I would have said, sure, you're the doctor, whatever. I mean, you know, if you tell me that they're in there, that's fine. It doesn't make any difference to me. Um, I believe that they exist, but it just doesn't really make a difference to me. And it didn't matter to me what those things did until all of a sudden it really mattered to me what they did. And I was duck walking out of the doctor's office. You idiots. Not you guys. This is what Paul says to believers in Galatians chapter 3. Because these people had been told that there was something inside of them. They had been told that there was this Holy Spirit inside of them. And they had been told that this thing was there. And they had been told that it had incredible power. And they had been told that it was crucial to their actual uh, walk with the Father. And they had been told all the stuff to which they kind of replied, Okay, well, you're the preacher. You know, and if you tell me that it's in there... And you tell me that there's this thing called the Holy Spirit. I mean, I believe you. I've never actually felt it. I don't really know anything about it. I don't think it makes a difference in my life. But if you say so, then I'll believe you. And he's saying, no, you've got it incredibly wrong. He says, no, the, the problems that you have, the lack of a solution that you're, the solutions you're not aware of, all, all the things that, that you're struggling with right now, these things are a result of ignoring the Holy Spirit. And you have this thing inside of you that's incredibly powerful. And I need you to go well beyond just kind of knowing that it's there. I need you to, to go much deeper. And in the modern day, a lot of us, you can, a few of us maybe not be in this camp, but in the modern day, a lot of us, including me, are sometimes really guilty of ignoring the Holy Spirit. 
and totally ignoring this this whole big thing that's all throughout Scripture. And if I'm honest, sometimes it's a little weird to even say. And you know, some people don't have this aversion, but but maybe you do. I don't know. If, if we talk about you're led by the Holy Spirit, and sometimes that just strikes me as like as as a thing that I don't really want to say in company with people who don't who don't know Jesus or who don't love the Lord, because I feel like it sounds weird, and I'm wandering into this weird territory with my faith. You know, no scientist ever found, ever cut somebody open and found the Holy Spirit. It's not like we can prove that it's in there via some sort of external means. And so it's just a weird thing to talk about. And then you have people that are totally on the other side that overemphasize it and sometimes really totally misunderstand it. And, and you got those people that, you know, they only brush their teeth because the Holy Spirit revealed to them that their breath stunk. I mean, it's every single thing is the Holy Spirit. And, and we have like these far-reaching sides of, of, of the Holy Spirit. But the truth that I've sort of come to see is if you and I are going to... I'm so squeaky. If you, are, if you and I are going to progress in this journey of really learning to hear God, and, and this, this past week and a half or so has been really rich for me as I've been digging through this material, but if you're, you and I are going to progress in this journey of really learning to hear God, it will be. The only way that we'll begin to hear the voice of God is through the Holy Spirit. And so if you've doubted this sort of mystical third piece of the Trinity or just thought it to be like some random body part, you know, uh, I tried to think of the most random thing I could think of. You guys ever heard of the pituitary gland? Anybody know what that does? Me neither. Yeah. But it's in there and it does something. And I think that sometimes we're, we treat the Holy Spirit in that same way. It's in there and I believe in it. And I really do believe that it's a very real thing. But I don't know what it does, does and I have no connection with it. And that's our connection to the Holy Spirit. But I want to begin to dig deeper than that when it comes to our understanding and when it comes to our communion with the Holy Spirit. So that's what we're going to dive into today as we sort of talk about this idea of learning to hear God. John chapter 16, verse 7. John chapter 16, verse 7. Jesus introduces us to the, to, to the Holy Spirit as we know Him today. So all throughout history, especially if you've read some of the Old Testament, you see the Holy Spirit sort of making these drop-in appearances. And the Holy Spirit's been around from, from the very beginning. You see God, Jesus, Holy Spirit, right? All God, all, all there since the beginning of time. You see them beginning of time. You see them in creation. And, and Jesus begins to introduce, introduce us in this place to how the Holy Spirit is going to interact with us for the rest of time. John chapter 16, verse 7. But very truly I tell you, this is Jesus speaking, but very truly I tell you, it's for your good that I'm going away. Unless I go away, the Advocate, read Holy Spirit there, the Advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. When he comes, he will prove the world to be in wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. About sin, because people do not believe in me. About righteousness, because I am going to the Father where you can no longer see me. And about judgment, because the prince of this world now stands condemned. Verse 12. Uh, I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. But when He, the Spirit of truth, comes, He will guide you into all the truth. He will not speak on His own. He will speak only what He hears, and He will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify Me, because it is from Me that He will receive what He will make known to you. All that belongs to the Father is Mine. That is why I said the Holy Spirit will receive from Me what He will make known to you. Is all that abundantly clear to you? 
We're going to dig through this, but I want you to catch that very first sentence. And imagine the weightiness of all the people standing in front of Jesus as he makes this statement. Jesus says, it's for your good that I go away. Because when I do, the Advocate or the Holy Spirit will come. Have you ever had the the unfortunate opportunity to to be with somebody who was really close to you that passed away? And and had that person said to you, and you're really close to them, and and they say to you, it's okay because it's going to be way, way, way better for you once I'm gone. And to believe that seems sort of unreal. And, And what's coming next must really be incredible for it to be better than what is happening right now, for it to be better after you're gone. And Jesus stands across from these people and He says, it's going to be better for you after I'm gone. And He says, there's something better than sitting across the dinner table from the God of the universe. There's something even better than standing next to me. Jesus, God in the flesh, there's something coming after me that's going to be even better than that. And it's this. It's having the God of the universe dwell inside of you. Not standing next to you but inside of you. And what Jesus says here, and it bears repeating, is is just very simply that the Holy Spirit that is inside of you, if you're a follower of Jesus, this Holy Spirit is incredibly powerful. Incredibly powerful. Let me tell you a few examples of the Holy Spirit. Okay, here's one. Uh, A few things that the Holy Spirit has done throughout history. you got this guy, Samson. You guys heard the story of Samson? When Samson was not filled with the Holy Spirit, it says people tie him up with some ropes, and, uh, and he's just got simple ropes bound around him, and he can't get away. They gouge his eyeballs out and, uh, and make him a prisoner, and he's totally trapped. But when he is filled with the Holy Spirit, it says in the course of, like, of what, what seems to be about a month, he goes into battle and kills about 1,500 Philistines just by himself. When he's filled with the Holy Spirit, he 1,500 men, he can take on an entire army right by himself. When he's not filled with the Holy Spirit, five or six guys tie him up and he can't get away. Later, he's filled with the Holy Spirit again, and he stands in between these two big columns, and they hold up a huge temple, and he pushes on them, and, and, and the whole temple comes crashing down. This whole, when the Holy Spirit is inside of him, he has this incredible strength, physical strength. Another one from the New Testament. You got Peter. And what's pretty interesting, you see Peter, and, and, and Peter, when Jesus is, is alive, he denies him three times in this real sort of famous sequence, well-known sequence, you know, right around Jesus' death. And three times he denies him. And, and, and even though Jesus is there and he's in front of him, Peter denies that he even knows him. And then you see 40 days later, 40 days after all of that stuff happened, uh, Peter is now standing in front of thousands of people and he's preaching these really forceful, incredible messages in front of so many people. And what's the only thing that happened between the first event and the second event? Well, Jesus died, but that made everybody afraid. They weren't sure what was going to happen. The big thing that happened in between those two events is that the Holy Spirit comes at this, this thing called Pentecost and now Peter's filled with the Holy Spirit. Any of you guys afraid of speaking in front of large groups of people? Can you imagine an event that would take you from where you are now to incredibly, confidently speaking in front of thousands of people with no practice, no preparation? You just stand up there and you start talking and it works? Yeah, the Holy Spirit fills Peter and this is what he begins to do. 
You see in the very beginning of time, you see the Holy Spirit being breathed into men and they come to life. I mean, are you catching the power of this Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit in the Old Testament would dwell, would indwell people only occasionally. It would do like these drop-ins. And you would see, it would fill Samson and then it wouldn't. And it would fill a king and then it wouldn't. And it would drop in on them. And those who were filled with the Holy Spirit would be leaders of nations. Just these incredibly powerful people. And what you can believe is these people would have found it an unreal joy. Just an unreal source of power to always be filled with the Holy Spirit. Just would have found it unreal. The things they could do when they were filled with the Holy Spirit versus the things that they could, could not do when they were filled with the Holy Spirit were just incredible. And if they could have had it all the time, they would have found it to be a weapon unlike any other. Greater than any superpower you can imagine. And yet, that's exactly what you and I have. That's exactly what Jesus says that you and I are going to have is this constant filling of the Holy Spirit. No wonder Paul stands in front of these people and says, You idiots! How dare you not take advantage of the Holy Spirit? If you're following along in the book, uh, she tells this story about playing hide-and-seek with her dad made me think about playing hide-and-seek with Molly. And um, the, the unique thing about uh, playing hide-and-seek with Molly, especially when she was smaller, is that uh, she could not, she, she didn't want to hide by herself. And so she'd want to play hide-and-seek, and then she'd be like, come hide with me. I'd be like, well, that's not really hide-and-seek, that's just hide. But um, we would do that. But, but I would talk her into hiding. I would talk her into, I would go hide, and she would come find me. But I'd have to hide. I mean, it'd have to literally be like this, you know? Like, you could totally see me, because she would never come into a room that was where she couldn't see anybody. She was scared out of her mind. And so the idea of searching around for somebody who could scare her is nothing she would ever do. So uh, you'd stand behind the curtain with, like, everything but your eyes uncovered. So she could see everything, and then she'd come find you, and it'd be a lot of fun. Um, But the simple idea is, most clearly, I wanted to be found. And I wanted to be found really, really easily and quickly. Because the object is not to be a really great hider. This is, you know, that game is the only time in life when that's helpful. And uh, so the, the object of the game is for me to spend some time with her, you know, to grow in relationship with her. Like, that's the point of the game. And it's the same with Jesus. God wants to be found by you. And it's not that He says things to you and He wants to be a mystery and He wants you to not really hear what He has to say. He absolutely wants to be found. And consistently, if you're like me, I want to know what God has to say. And I want it to be abundantly clear. And so what I end up doing is I say, God, I want this really clear sign. Have you guys ever heard of the story in the Old Testament where the guy, he wants, to, he wants a fleece to be wet and he wants everything else to be dry? And he says, God, if this, like, sort of this rug is wet in the morning but everything else is dry, then I'll believe that, that, that you've told me to do what I think it is you've told me to do. And he wakes up the next morning, and that's exactly what happened. And then I think he realizes, well, God, the ground could have dried up, but the fleece could still be wet. This might not be God. How about, God, tomorrow you make all the ground wet, but make the fleece be dry. And then I'll believe that what you've told me to do is what you'll do, is, is what you want me to do. And so then the next morning, that exact thing happens, and then he gets this confirmation that what he thinks God is telling him is what God is actually telling him. And I've thought, God, why can't you do that for me? i got a rug right outside. 
And if I could wake up in the morning and, and everything could not be wed, and the, you know, or whichever one is the good one, you know, God, that would be really helpful because then I would know exactly what you're telling me to do. And sometimes the frustrating thing about God is He can do it. He can choose to, to, to talk to us any way that He wants to. But what He recognizes is that we grow in our relationship with Him as we spend time with Him. As we talk to one another as we as we're spending time as we're seeking him in prayer because the idea is not really so much to hear exactly what God's telling us to do the idea is to get to know God because he knows that once we get to know him we'll know everything that we need to know the idea is not to hear him and then be done with him the idea is to get to know him we spend too much time too much time trying to find out what God wants us to do when the object is to find Him. Have you guys ever said, um, I, I know you have, you know, I'm, I'm becoming more and more like my parents every day. And you say it abundantly more when you have children. You know, you do the things that your parents did. Uh, anybody say that? Anybody do that? You recognize that in yourself? Um, I do that all the time. And, and the thing is, obviously, most obviously, I'm not doing it on purpose. There's not one thing that my dad did that I'm like, you know what, I want to be just like that. I want to do that exact thing. But constantly I find myself doing that. Why? Because the amount of time that I spent with him led me to make choices like he would make. And the amount of time that you spend with your parents and you spend under their care leads you to be more and more like them whether you really want to be or not. And it's very similar with God the Father. The more we get to know Him and the more we spend time with Him, the more we just inevitably, inevitably find ourselves doing the things that He does. And the more we find ourselves wanting to be like Him. What Jesus says to us is when we seek Him, he reveals truth to us through the Holy Spirit. See, the idea is when we're seeking Jesus, He gives us the truth. And how does He do it? He does it through the Holy Spirit. The passage says He tells us truth about our sin and our need for Him. You ever felt this pull of conviction, maybe even before you were a Jesus follower? That's the Holy Spirit. You know, um... It's your, it's, your, it's your conscious working together with your spirit. You ever had a peace about something? You just really knew that this was right, even if it didn't seem easy. You felt like this is the, this is the good and right thing. Holy Spirit gives us confirmation through that peace. You ever had a lack of peace about something that you really wanted to do? And then sometimes you just did it anyway? But you felt like this is probably not good? Or, or, or you didn't really want to tell anybody what you were doing because even though it may not be inherently bad, you just felt like it wasn't wise. And if you told people, they would say, that's probably not a good idea. Yeah, that's usually the Holy Spirit. Man, pulling you, saying, you know, pulling against you, saying, that's not really the thing that you should do. And that's often how the Holy Spirit is working in our lives. And so the question is, in your pursuit of Jesus... Do you hear the Holy Spirit? And if you're not pursuing Jesus, start there. If you're not pursuing Jesus, start there because that's the place to start. But as you pursue this communion with the Holy Spirit, this all-powerful, largely untapped source of incredible wisdom is available to you and to me. This incredible, the wisdom of God is inside of you. 
already ready to guide our steps and to help us answer some of those really challenging things that we need help with, and it's already there. So what I want to walk through as we finish up is, is some from this book, some from the book that we've read, some from, some from my own experience, all confirmed in Scripture. But these are some things that I find really helpful as, as, as we sort of learn to, to hear what this Holy Spirit is saying to us and, and sort of navigating what it means to hear the Holy Spirit. There's a, a quote in the book, and it says this. And I think this, this really sums it up very simply of, of, of what it's like to hear God speaking to you through the Holy Spirit. It says, when I have an impression during prayer, this is a quote, when I have an impression during prayer that aligns with Scripture and is supported by wise counsel, that's God. I think that's really good. It's really simple. I have an impression during prayer. It aligns with Scripture. It's supported by wise counsel. That's God. You know, all, all the time when I'm praying, I, I, I feel like... You know, I'm bringing something before God and I immediately feel good about it or I kind of feel bad about it. And sometimes I don't know if it's my crazy brain or if it's actually a God thing. But if I take that, that impression and I compare it to Scripture and I say, does this line up with that? And then I go tell other people who love the Lord and they say, yeah, that sounds right. So that's a God thing. That's the Holy Spirit speaking to us. Um, another guy says it this way, uh, same qu- quote in the book. He adds one piece to it, which I think is pretty pertinent. He says, I know the Lord is speaking to me when I have peace. God's Word confirms it. Godly people in my life who know me best affirm it. And my wife agrees. So that's a good plus. Um, I think that's so simply what it looks like. And we put this real mystical thing on the Holy Spirit like it's, it's something that's so strange and out there. But really it's, it's pretty simple. And, if we're, and, and now as we begin to know what it is, we think... I think I've been hearing that for a long time. Uh, here are a few surefire things for listening to the Holy Spirit during prayer. I, I think as you begin to, to, to acknowledge that voice that you know is there, here are a few surefire things as you begin to follow that. Number one is this. If you feel some conviction, if you come before Him and you, and, and you, 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 you put something out there in prayer and you immediately begin to feel some pull, that's a good note to stop. If it feels wrong and, and Scripture affirms that, yeah, this is probably not a good idea, and if I shared it with people in the church, they would advise against it, that's the Holy Spirit saying stop. And, and it's not always sin. You know, I remember when, when Jess and I were, were leaving um, Oxford and we were trying to figure out what we were going to do next, and, uh, and we had visited a few different seminaries, and they were nice. And, and look, I, man, I, I work in Gentilly, I like Gentilly, but look, Gentilly is not near as nice as these other places we visited. And, and so we, we went to this one city, and it was gorgeous, you know, the, the, the area where the seminary was. Then we went to another one, really nice. So much of it made sense. We came down here, and, and I've, I've told this story before, but we got here late at night, and we pull up to the hotel, and, and we get out, and we go in, and, uh, and I'm like, I'm going to open the windows and look at the city. And, and I open the window, and there's like a 12-foot barbed wire fence right outside the window. <laughs> And it just, you know, it didn't feel awesome. But the next day we wake up and we go and we tour the seminary. And there was the, the other ones felt good in my head. But as we toured the seminary, I just had this peace like, this is going to be, this is going to be the place where we're going to be. 
And then we leave here, and, and we kind of look for jobs, and we're trying to figure that out, and nothing happens. And, and Jess doesn't find a job, and I don't find a job, and we don't know what we're, you know, we've got to make a living, and we've got to eat. So, so, so I'm still not listening to this Holy Spirit pool that's like, hey, you know, I want you, you know, this is where I want you to be. And, and so we go through, I, I, I'm interviewing, I'm supposed to interview for a youth pastor job in Senatobia, which is closer to Memphis. I, get, I fill out all my enrollment paperwork for the seminary in Memphis. And I walk down this road, and I don't feel good about it the whole time. And it's really kind of pulling at me. And I'm spending so much time in the morning just going, God, what do you, what do you want me to do? I really want to do the right thing. I think this is a big decision. And I pull and I pull. And then the day I'm supposed to go to interview with this seminary, I mean interview with this church in Senatobia, uh, Jess gets a job offer for a really good job in, in New Orleans. And so I call them and say, hey, I'm not coming, sorry. And, um, but what's crazy is, and look, doing it all over again, I mean, I don't know what I would do different. But what I'm saying is, if, if from the beginning, if I had known what the Holy Spirit sounds like, you know, and if I had known that, that, that this piece is Him, then I, I probably could have saved myself a mountain of heartache, six months of, of trying to figure out what He wanted me to do, if I just said, yes, God, I think this is where you're leading us, and we're going to walk in that direction. Rather than saying, God, I think this is where you're leading me, and, and, and I'm going to walk in every other direction until you totally close every other door. And, and I think sometimes that conviction is God saying, stop. I, I certainly don't think it's to move here and live under the bridge because we couldn't find jobs. <laughs> but but in trusting that God's going to open the door if, we, if we're faithful to walk. Sometimes when you're praying, you just feel a little bit uneasy. And, and, and if you feel uneasy about something in prayer, then that's just a good cue to wait. Things may become more clear. Maybe it's another way. You know, and who knows exactly, you know, and maybe God is just waiting to put a couple pieces in place for you to move again. And so that's a good cue to wait. But this, this part, I think, seems easy, but is challenging. But as you seek Him in prayer, and you just feel this peace and ease about whatever you're praying about and whatever you're bringing before Him, this is the time, I don't know exactly how I wrote it, but in my notes I wrote, Stomp on the Gas. When you feel this peace, this is the time to go. And this is the time to not hesitate. Because here's a reality. The longer we ignore the voice of God, the easier it gets to ignore. And so the more we feel like, God, this is... I, it seems clear to me that this is where you want me to go. And as we begin to hear His voice, and the more we say, but wait, but wait, but wait the less the pull is and the less clear it is where God wants us to go. And then we find ourselves in a place that we've all found ourselves in a lot where we go, I just have no idea what God wants me to do. But there was a time when it was really clear to us. But the more we said wait and the more we said no and the more we just managed to get out of church so we could get it off of our mind, the more it became unclear what He was pulling us to. The Holy Spirit is powerful. It's incredibly powerful. It dwells inside of you. He has much to say interpreting the things that the Father is saying to you. He has much to say and much direction to give if we will begin to listen. Let me pray. And I pray, I pray first for those of us here or those of us in our lives that are not here, that the Holy Spirit is pulling 
with conviction to put their faith in Christ. I pray that people that have never stopped and said, God, I, I want to follow you, and I want to walk away from sin and, and to follow you, and I know that, Jesus, you are the way. I pray that people that have never have been feeling that pull of the Holy Spirit to do that, but just haven't quite done it, God, I pray that today would be the day to stop saying no and to stop saying wait, but to say yes.